Welcome to the Tabletop Gaming Magazine podcast. I'm Chris Eggett, the editor of the magazine, and today we're joined by Ivan Brett to talk about folk games, uh, games that you can play off-screen, in real life, wandering around, and we also get Ivan's top five games to play through Zoom. We also hear about the time that Ivan was nearly arrested in a Walmart. Welcome to the uh, Tabletop Gaming uh, Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. This is, uh, this is uh, Ivan Brett. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Ivan Brett. Uh, I'm an author and a teacher. Um, and my main project at the moment is collecting up um, folk games and community games, games you can play together uh, in real life, generally off screen. Uh, I've collected these up into two books. Um, and that's been uh, the last three or four years of my life. And it's completely changed the way I've seen the world, actually. It's an interesting project. I think your your first book was uh, The Floor is Lava. Is that yes, right? that's right. Yeah. Uh, and the, the next one coming up is called, uh, is it board, is it board question mark games exclamation mark? Yeah, so I think it's quite fun to have a performative element to a title. So the, the official pronunciation is board games. And if you if you actually say the uh, the punctuation marks out loud, you lose one point in the in the game the book pronunciation game. Um, I just quite like, come on, do your best. Let's hear your best shot at the, the title. Board games? Well, that's pro- oh, no, oh, okay. Sure that, actually. I think you might have switched the punctuation up there. <laughs> yeah, I, I like it. Actually. <laughs> That'll be the sequel to the sequel, maybe. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah. So um, I think we're going to talk today about sort of games in different contexts and um, sort of maybe like expanding uh, what we think of um, games as. So obviously, at tabletop gaming, we we mostly talk about games, war games, RPGs. You know, so mostly uh, what people do when they have a games evening of some kind is they. Um, They'll sit down together, they'll get out a big box, it'll have lots of bits in it, they'll sit around it, and at the end, uh, through some mystery of maths, um, they'll, uh, they'll have decided one of them is a winner, <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and and everyone will go sort of home happy and uh, maybe aching from having to sit on a uh, kitchen chair for slightly too long, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, yes, but I, I think I think uh, your focus on folk games puts, puts us um, in a new context for um, playing games, and makes us think about playing games slightly differently. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm a sort of big RPG tabletop RPG gamer, and I really enjoy so many elements of that. And I think that we who I say we because I think I imagine probably your listeners are the you know the enlightened few who really know how to get the most out of those things <laughs> and, and not feel embarrassed or inhibited by those things. But when we go out into the big wide world, uh, despite the fact that we're not doing oh we said we wouldn't talk about the quarantine, but we're talking about it now. When we eventually go back into the big wide world, we will find ourselves surrounded by those people who are not quite so comfortable with play. And let's get that kind of like play versus games dichotomy out of the way, right? Games are what you do to play. Games are rule sets that allow you to play, but play is the actual action of, of doing that thing. Um, and so the games that I most love, and I think the games that a lot of people most love, are ones that allow you to play. And yet, for some reason, when we're out in Sainsbury's or in the post office queue, we suddenly find ourselves inhibited. So yeah, folk games when done right, um, allow you to be playful in scenarios when perhaps you would otherwise feel uncomfortable being so doing so. And well, I think, um, I think a lot of people even, you know, even board game people, uh, or, you know, um, war game people and, and anything like that. I mean, RPG people are obviously absolutely fine at this. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Basically, they're basically exhibitionists, aren't they? Um, I but, believe um, we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, but there is there is a uh, like a, a solid group of people who are um, they they love um, they love games. They probably like to play RPGs, but getting into it is probably quite 
quite difficult actually yeah um i think some of these folk games are kind of um and the games you collect um probably a good way of getting into it yes i think so i think if you imagine you're setting up a play space by which i mean a set of rules that everyone understands um and then you just live within that and you engage within that then it doesn't matter how complicated or simple the rules are. So what I'm trying to do is find games um, that where the rules are very simple, but you're still doing that kind of improvisy role playing, um, and also kind of like position holding, which is very board gamey as well. You know, well I'm the arbiter and you're the guesser. I'm the judge and you're the liar. And so we're sort of you know very simple stuff, but you know, um, monkey paw is one of the ones I'm thinking of right now couldn't be easier i ask you for your perfect something so i might say oh i don't know what's your ideal superpower um oh see i, I actually have an answer to this good um, but it's, it's my it's my it's my favorite like bad superpower that's fine is that okay yeah um it's to know the name of um any dog i see that is a great great <laughs> superpower like so you could always you could always like um you know in so in, in, in normal social, social situations, you'd be yeah. able to talk to the owner of the dog, knowing the dog's name. Yeah. Uh, and, in, and in sort of dangerous situations, you could be a hero because you could call that dog off, you know, or, uh, yeah. uh, you know, stop it from jumping in the river or whatever it is that the dog wants to do. Or you could steal the dog, of course, if, you, if it responded to its name. I mean, you've, you've, you have uncovered my real motives. Uh, um, well, so the, my, the, the, exactly. the way this game works is now I grant you that wish, but I mm-hmm. stick the monkey paw in it. I, I make something that's going to make it unpleasant, and then we see if you still want it. So in this case, yes, you know every dog's name, but also you can hear every dog's thoughts. Um, <laughs> the ind- <laughs> Like within maybe, let's say, 150 feet proximity. Wow. Um, I mean, is, that, does, is it affected like bad Wi-Fi? So I think if you go, like, sorry, go on. Does, does it go through bricks and mortar well? Yes, or, you know? it's, it transmits very, very well. Okay. It's almost <laughs> blindingly loud, uh, deafening, <laughs> deafeningly loud. I suppose. Let's not mix senses here. Um, and of course, dogs' thoughts are repetitive, um, irritating, and sometimes revealing about themselves. So I, yeah, d- would you still take the uh, the superpower? No, I should have picked a better superpower if I was going <laughs> to... Ah, so I've, lo- I've lost this game, haven't I? Well, you, no, you haven't lost it. You, you've made the choice. You, you have correctly chosen the right option. But now you might ask me what my perfect gig is and my perfect breakfast or whatever it's going to be, and then I'll give you my perfect thing. You ruin it, and then I still see if I want it. So we're playing roles. I'm occupying a kind of powerful genie, and you're just the sort of lowly, lowly wisher. Um, and we'll swap it around, and, and meanwhile we'll be sort of, I don't know, walking down to the uh, post office or whatever it is, and just allowing ourselves to be playful and engaging with ideas that aren't necessarily right in front of us. And I think the more we can do that with all sorts of people, be it cross-generational or cross-class or, or anything else, it, it opens up us to a, a greater range of interaction between people in the real world. So why do you think um, people are resistant to the idea of, of play in this way? I think play is thought of as frivolous. Um, and I think it's also associated with juvenility. Juvenilia? No, ju- juvenility, right? Being, yeah, being juvenile. Um, we play when we're children, and then as soon as we hit the age of 12, every association I can think of where we use the word play is negative. Are you, are you playing games? Or are you playing around? Or I'm not playing with you. Like, it, these are all things that are negative. So we immediately think that being playful is being silly 
or being playful is not getting to the point or perhaps being playful is revealing that you're not a grown up enough of a grown up but i think that's nonsense i really do i think that play is well okay there's there's a there's a definition of play that i think is associated to a guy called david gabray but i've been looking for it for years i heard on a podcast with brennan lee mulligan the um uh, the dm for dimension 20 uh, uh they do from college humor right and he said ah, he has attributed this to i think a guy called david gabray but i can't find who this person is so that's that's part of my life's mission he said play is the exuberant exploration of one's own abilities within a world right so the idea is that you're not being silly you're exuberantly exploring your own limitations you're kind of bouncing off the walls of what you can and can't do and that's wonderful because you're allowing yourself a safe space in which to engage with skills and ways to interact and then when you bring that out into the real world you've practiced it already that's amazing if we can harness that power if adults can be as willing to play as well if some adults can be as willing to play as other ones perhaps we're all going to take ourselves a little bit less seriously and also be a little bit less scared of making mistakes yeah that's interesting i, I like that idea there of, of uh sort of curing the fear of um maybe the problem with my answer to our little game there of saying oh i've lost the game yeah right so maybe maybe that's maybe that's the problem there you know that um uh, some people some people do approach it in that way um that there there are people who wouldn't just take it as oh that was interesting that i didn't want this anymore mm. um yeah oh what does it mean that i've lost in this case does losing mean i get to circle back around and find a better way across that bridge that i've not managed to cross or does losing actually means that i've just learned something and will never get to try again losing can be great yeah, I think it's a yeah valuable a valuable thing to, uh, to to be able to well, at least to be able to accept occasionally. Yeah. Um, recently, and, and as you said before, we, we didn't necessarily want to talk about you know the uh, the subject yeah. that was going on outside. Yeah, it dates it, doesn't it? It dates it. It, it does. <laughs> However, why do people want to play games right now? I think it's. I don't know. First of all, and I think it's a really interesting question. And if we found out. Wouldn't that be great? Couldn't we, you know, I wonder if it's to do with the fact that we are so lacking in interaction right now that when we do interact with people, we want it to be fun or be memorable or be new. And maybe there's an anxiety there, too. We're all stuck at home and feeling worried and, and scared. And so we want something to make our time feel more special and more exciting. Um, I had never played any of those brilliant Jackbox games before, you know, um, oh, what are they? Uh, Drawful and... Um, all those brilliant ones. And I got on a Zoom call with a bunch of friends and we played those for the first time. And these were friends I'd had for years, but I guess we didn't have anything to catch up on. That's the first thing. There was no small talk. We just got straight into it. And then having got straight into it, we had a brilliant time. It was fantastic. Everyone had a great evening. We didn't mention the subject except in the occasional punchline. And then we all went to bed separately. <laughs> so, so it was, I don't know, maybe people just feel that the world is so serious right now and we need excuses to get together and be with people. And that's what a good game can do. All the games you mentioned, sort of, you know, collaborative, not necessarily collaborative, but multiplayer games. I don't know if the, the sales of single player games have gone up. They probably have, I don't know. We've seen a, an interest in it definitely here. Um, that, that people are uh, looking for solo play a lot, um, mm. and just uh, which I get, I guess, is because often people who you know, board, board gaming people don't necessarily live in board gaming families. You know, they they might they might play a little bit, but um, but not 
not to the extent that they'd play you know a, a big heavy euro game with their friends or um you know their their D &D group probably doesn't include everyone they live with um right. you know unless they live in some sort of D, &D commune oh. um which uh, sounds pretty awesome <laughs> so yeah i mean I'm, my my personal experience is that uh, me and my friends my friends who don't usually don't usually play rpgs um for the most part we've all got into um suddenly uh playing a lot of weird um osr games you know and so uh and so just because playing them over playing over the internet is possible yeah suddenly having a structure for fun again with people you don't usually speak to is is, is uh, really valuable right? i think it is yeah The Tabletop Gaming Game Store is open and dispatching orders worldwide. Visit www.tabletopgaming.co.uk to read the reviews and buy the games directly from us. Uh, so Ivan, do you want to take us through your top five games we can play over Zoom? Yeah, I thought it might be quite useful to have some games that you could play remotely. Um, and I think pretty much all of these are from my book. So, you know, if you were after a hundred of them, um, you could search it out. Uh, some of them definitely won't work over Zoom or Skype. These are ones that definitely would. Um, let's start at number five. Um, this one's called Cat Eats Mouse. Um, it's a one-upmanship game. So someone will give a small item, um, mouse. And the next, put you have to, you have to work out the order of play. Um, first of all, but that's not too hard. Um, the next person will give an item that beats that thing and a verb of how it does it. So cat eats mouse. And then it might be dog chases cat. And then it could be flea bites dog. And then it might be um, what kills a flea. Oh, nothing kills a flea. Fleas are indestructible. Um, uh, <laughs> fire. <laughs> fire incinerates flea. Um, what's great about this game is that the further you go, you realize there's never any end because even if you have a black hole, someone can invent, I don't know, a massive cork that plugs the black hole. I mean, forget physics. We can just say it works in the game. Um, a lot of fun. Nice to enjoy the silences of people thinking. So rather than it being a sort of reactive game, it's a responsive game. Um, it can go on for hours and it's a lot of fun. Uh, next one is a number four storytelling game called Fibber. You challenge another person on the call to start telling a story. Give them a prompt. Uh, my most embarrassing childhood memory or um, the time I met my hero. And they start telling you a true story, entirely true story, except that at some point they're going to tell one lie, just one lie. When they get to the end of their story, everyone's got a chance to guess just once for the one lie. And the player, you know, you get a point if you guess it right and you get a point for everyone you fooled. Um, nice because we're sharing stories, we're talking about ourselves, but also we're listening super carefully because we want to pick up that lie. And what's really cool about it as well is it's all about body language. So depending on how you sit when you're on Skype uh, and depending on how you watch when you're on Skype, you know, I tend to look at myself quite a lot on Skype, to be honest. So when I got on this call with you, I put my own face away. I don't know where that is. It's minimized somewhere. So I couldn't just stare at myself. And this game forces you to look at someone else, which is quite good. I quite, I quite like that one. Uh, people don't often uh, take the chance to talk about themselves, do they? And it's just uh, a nice, nice little thing to uh, to encourage that kind of engagement. Do you have a friend who's like um, the the storyteller, the one who goes and does all those brilliant anecdotes? Because I I do, and then when I have to tell an anecdote, I always have to think really hard, and then I go, oh, I've got good stories. Like these are great ones, but I never think of them. Like I don't keep regaling them again and again and again. And you forget them, don't you? Because memory is just a reproduction of the past memory of that thing. So if you play this game enough, you're going to be that guy. 
he's got all the good stories. I've, you know, I, I've never um, finished a sentence uh, in the way I intended to finish it at the start of the sentence. So uh, <laughs> as I get distracted, <laughs> so I, that, that sounds like a pleasing exercise to suddenly become the stories guy. So we've got number three. Three is scat memory. Now, this is the kind of game you've got to play once people have warmed up with other games, but I love it. Um, you get in the head of a scat singer and it's a, it's a cumulative memory game. So one player adds a scat, a little scat note. Bap. And then the second player says it and then adds another one. Badu. And then the third one goes, Badu Chua. And then the fourth one goes, Badu Chua. Bing. Like that. And you keep adding on little elements to that scat phrase until someone forgets it. And then they lose. You can do eliminations, you can do um, punishments or forfeits, whatever you want. Best thing about it is, as soon as everyone's had one go round, no one's embarrassed anymore. You're all just having a really great scatty time. And what's better than a great scatty time? No, that sounds fabulous. That's yeah, yeah, that does, that, that, that does require a warm-up. I don't think I'd go in cold with that one. Definitely not. And actually, like, we were, I don't know if we're going to talk about it later, but I have thought of a couple of things. We talk, I talked a little bit about the kind of the wheeze and the not wheeze of those who are who like to play and those who are sort of less. And, and you said there are people who maybe are now in isolation with their families who don't like games. I think having games that start to develop the breaking of inhibitions, whether it's role playing, whether it's like kind of working through a scenario together, or whether it's making silly noises, these are the kinds of ones that really, and I hate this phrase, but they really break the ice and make and make the whole thing flow a lot more freely, possibly permanently. So we could talk about some of those later. Uh, do you want to know number two? Go on then. Glom. Great Glom name. is yeah glom is well so when i made this game up i thought glom was a nonsense word turns out it's not glom is a real word but the rules of the game are you have to come up with a one syllable nonsense word as quick as you can going round the circle if it's a real word you're out and it sounds really easy but it's ridiculously hard do you want to have a go i mean i i'm looking i'm looking around at words around me right now yeah frantically looking for a bit that doesn't make any sense like dio that's kind of that's like one and a half syllables, but we'll allow it. Oh, sorry. Yes. Oh, Let's. I. That's your first move. From now on, we're going to do quick fire. Shug. Uh, it's. Flidge. <laughs> sorry, it's just took with me. Um. <laughs> uh. Oh, now is that a no- Is that a word or a noise? Yes, it's fine. Let's let's allow it, but try and make try and use more consonants yeah. next time. <laughs> um. Griff. Ack. Plin. Uh, <laughs> I, struggle, I struggle with these so terribly. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. I mean, what I love it about it yeah. is you're being forced to be wrong. Yes. And we I talked about it. losing earlier. The idea of being wrong, but being rewarded for being wrong. And if you're right, then you lose. It's like, what is this? So, yeah, flipping your brain over and forcing you to be wrong. That's why I, That's why that's in number two. I definitely should not be surrounded by words right now. That's, that's such a terrible way <laughs> to, oh, no. to freeze yourself. Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Real words as well. How dare they? Yeah, I know. Awful. Very good. Yeah, I like that. Glom, that is. Glom. Yeah. Do you want number one? Go on. Number one is switch. Um, a bit like Fibber, you're telling stories. You will give a player a story. You could do the, the I don't know, the, the plot of Star Wars or God's Locks and the Three Bears. Um, one of those two major franchises uh, or other major <laughs> franchises would do too. Um, and they start to tell that story. If there's many of you playing then everyone has one switch. If there's just a couple of you playing, you've all got a few switches. The way a switch works is at the end of a sentence or sort of as as the storyteller's coming to the end of one of their sentences, you shout, you shout switch. And they have to say that sentence again, but the opposite. So for example, if, if they say, 
uh, Goldilocks looked in, looked through the window and saw that nobody was home and you shouted, switch! Then they'd say, Goldilocks looked through the window and noticed the three bears were home and they chased her out and then and then this story starts moving in a new direction. Oh, that's very good. So you start off with a story you know within a minute you're telling a totally new story. It's improvisational. It's, I mean, if you're telling that story and people start switching you, it's really, really panic-inducing, but it's a wonderfully freeing experience. And then the, the other major rule is whatever happens at the end of the story, you have to applaud and say it was fantastic and say they coped really well with it because there's nothing worse than... Because no matter how good your story is, in your head as you're telling it, you're thinking, this is awful, this is embarrassing, everyone hates me, they're going to hang up with me. So as soon as, this, as soon as the story ends, rousing, huge cheering and applause, and then when you play it again you begin to develop vindictive or helpful qualities based on when people switched you and how mean they were with their switches so it develops over time as well yeah that's great i, I, I like the idea there of um all of these sound like games you want to play several times don't they yeah, yeah and become um staples so obviously there we were talking about you know, games we can play over zoom but there are games in your book that you can't play over zoom no sort of can't play remotely at all um do you want to give us a few examples of those yeah sure i mean so in the new in in, in board games i've divided the i see that's the intended intended reaction it's kind of like confusion and hilarity um i have divided the book up into three main chapters which is games you play on your feet games you play with your hands games you play in your head uh and then within that i also have single player two player and multiplayer um so you know through those sections you can find different things you can do and and two games spring to mind are things that you just you need to be outside you need to be moving around to do um one of which um i'll talk about in a second the other of which we developed last year my fiance and i cycled across america um we got bored we wanted to live a life that was led by play we decided the best thing to do was to quit our jobs fly to america jump on bikes and cycle and in many ways it was great but in other ways it was a massive exercise in dealing with anxiety, uh, coping with the unknown, and finding play in situations that were anything but playful. And one of these was that we were camping outside of Walmart. Um, and the rules of Walmart are that if you're homeless and have a camper van or an RV, that's fine. You can camp there for as long as you want because you're in a car and the Americans love cars. If you're in a tent and arrived on bicycles, you will be moved on by the police and potentially arrested. So knowing this, we had to keep ourselves busy and not worried. There was nowhere else to, 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 to camp. This was a, we entered this city. It was truly terrifying. Uh, Anyone's from Rawlins, Wyoming, uh, hey, I camped outside your Walmart. Um, and we were scared and hiding and thinking of something to do. So one of us went inside the shop with a rubber duck that we just happened to have traded with a small child. We didn't trade it for a small child. We traded it with a small child for some candies a few days before. We had a very strange time. We had a rubber duck. And uh, I went into Walmart and hid the rubber duck in, I think I hid it in a toy bus, actually. And then I wrote down a riddle and texted it to my fiance. Um, and the riddle was something about his, the, um, I think his name was Lieutenant Mallard, um, Lieutenant Mallard's commuting route. Um, and I included some different things, but clues about the aisle he was on, on his commuting route. And I said he was almost there, but he was stuck in traffic, something like that. And then I left Walmart and Amy had to go in and find Lieutenant Mallard without being accused of shoplifting. Um, 
uh, and then take Lieutenant Mallard and leave and bring him back heroically. And then she would go and hide it again. So this became a very popular game. We enjoyed this very much. And uh, we've played it plenty of times since. Not so good to play when there's queues outside Sainsbury's, but when there aren't queues, <laughs> get yourself a rubber duck or any rubber animal, <laughs> really. Uh, go inside a shop, hide it, leave a clue, text that clue to your friend um, and they can go in and search for it. Now, you can play this while you're shopping. If one of you's got the trolley and is going around collecting different cheeses, the other one can be finding Lieutenant Mallard. So it's a game to play in a shop when all seems lost. It, you can find play in almost any situation. That's very good. I like, I like that a lot. That's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like um, the idea there you're giving someone else a mission as well. I like, I like that yeah. a little bit. Um, little secret mission. You're sort of watching out for the shelf stackers because they might think you're stealing all their rubber ducks. Yes. It's fun. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, did you ever get caught on, on that one? Well, no, but we did get the police called on us, probably because we kept entering and leaving Walmart <laughs> noticed. Uh, the police moved us on. Um, we then argued with the police. I say argued. We talked fr- uh, in a friendly way. Turns out the policeman was a, a cycle tourist himself. He took us back into the shop um, and stood between us. And we had a chat with the manager who um, for about half an hour said we had to leave. And then eventually... Um, agreed that if we bought a luxurious breakfast from their bakery aisle at five in the morning and left by ten past five, <laughs> when when the other duty manager would relieve him from his post, um, if we were gone by that point, he wouldn't tell anyone, neither would we. Um, and we high-fived the policeman and he went away. Wow. And we did camp outside that Walmart, I'll be happy to tell you. Oh, that's excellent. Um, you, said, <laughs> you said you had another... another um... Yeah, this is... I love this. This is inspired by the Situationist... Um, movement of the 1960s. Uh, Guy Debord was a sort of philosopher and a a sort of political thinker. But one of his best things was his writing about a person's movement and exploration through an urban space. Um, That sounds really haughty. Here's how you play. Um, And this is a a paraphrasing, a para rule from his, his way. He said, wander around a city following, going where your feet take you and find what you want to find. I've done it slightly differently. This game is, well, you call it a derivé, which means a drift. Um, you find a friend um, or, or arrange to meet one and you roll a dice and flip a coin. And the dice uh, will tell you, so the coin will tell you if you're going left or right. Tails is left, heads is right. Or, or the other way around. You just decide beforehand. And the dice number tells you which left or which right. So you roll a four and a heads, it's fourth right. You roll a three and a tails, it's third left. Then you walk in whichever direction you start off walking. And when you hit the fourth right, you turn. And before you walk any further, you roll and flip a coin again. And then you keep on walking. So the idea of this is that you're being led by a completely random roll of a dice and flip of a coin in a city that you know, but exploring it in a way you don't. So when I played this with friends, we've done it as a pub crawl. Every pub you pass, you go in, you flip a coin, you decide what you're going to drink based on the flip of a coin or the roll of a dice, and then you leave slightly more rattled and you keep on going. Um, and that was all very good until about 11.30. We were on the South Bank, all the pubs closed, and we were we had to go fifth left, but we were walking east on the South Bank, which meant the fifth bridge left. So we were walking for miles and miles and miles, eventually crossed over, uh, and started wa- and it was raining heavily. We ended up 3.30 in the morning walking in circles around a, a Clapham housing estate 
um, ended up in, a, in an Asda. And uh, again, rolled a dice to find what we buy, uh, found a random aisle on that random, found a random number of paces, bought ourselves a birthday cake with a surprise inside, uh, sat out um, on a bench outside Asda. I don't know why almost, all my stories involve supermarkets um, <laughs> with two plastic spoons and a large birthday cake. Uh, sharing this thing and it was a, a magical experience uh, and every time you play this game you'll have a different experience it won't always end in cake um, but when it does that's that's a that's a great experience <laughs> I mean so the nice thing about all these is um, you know the, the thing that draws them together for me I think and and quite a lot of the um, uh, quite a lot of the zoom games as well is that you're you're but by, by playing these games you're actually creating like a um, a shared uh, world with these, with other people. You know, you're creating yes. these stories between between you, uh, which I think is a, a reason people, a, lot, a lot of people play games anyway. You know, they, they, they want those sort of narrative moments that they remember those, those vaguely cinematic moments um, in play, and then and also I guess in, in your version, just in life because you've ended up in that Asda. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, yeah, I think I, I think that's an, an interesting um, like benefit to these games um and yes probably something that aids with the idea that um there are people who uh don't live in board gaming families uh but want to maybe turn their family a little bit more board gamey um yeah that shared world is so important because once you're all inside it you feel safe and you feel challenged and you feel like you're somewhere totally different and and that's that's an escape that's why we play isn't it we play to escape i think so it's massively important um do you want to do you want to take take us through your, your book a little bit further? Because you, you had um, single player games in there. Uh, yes. Two player games. Uh, and uh, what was the third category? So single player, two player, and multiplayer. Um, and I think it's really interesting how as you divide these up, you find yourselves in different kind of realms. So you know, multiplayer on your feet feel like party games, or they feel like adventurous games you play outside. Um, Two player on paper or two player with your hands end up feeling like paper games, you know, grid based games or, or, or mathematical games or drawing games, games that are very close and, and sort of um, uh, quiet, I think, and quite meditative sometimes. Single player in your head games end up being more like challenges or secret missions, things that you could do to make your day feel more colourful. Um, you know, the kind of thing where you, you decide at the beginning of the day an artist and then you try and fit uh, song titles from that artist into your conversations throughout the day. No one else has to know about that game, but at the end of it, at the end of the day, you can decide how well you've done. So um, while the first book, The Flora's Lava, just had 10 flat situations where you would play, Christmas, vacations, um, uh, bedtime, dinner table, car journeys, this one's more about finding correlations between games and making them feel surrounded by similar ones. I think that if we can use context as the ingredient for a game, then that's how we begin to find ways to play in the entirety of our life. So if you're stuck at home, home becomes like not only the play space, but also the ingredients for it. You can find games that involve hiding things in your house or using your knowledge of the house to do something. Um, context is massive because while we talked about, you know, escaping, also games and play tends to be about coping with where we are or making fun out of where we are. So contextual elements is definitely something I've been trying to bring out in this. Um, that's one theme. The other theme I think is about the sharing and trading of games as a kind of cultural currency or capital. Um, the idea that there is inherent value in sharing play 
and not even necessarily just the play but sharing ideas of play sharing imagination about play is something that i've really really been quite excited about so as very often before i tell you the rules of a game in this book i will kind of say oh this is inspired by x or i played this y and just sort of show you the the heritage or, or the kind of taxonomy of where this game came from because with folk games more so than almost any other type of game i can think of the rules will shift and change with each um new recipient of those rules yeah that's a really nice piece of the um sort of uh, world building element that we talked about yeah. earlier, you know that um you're going to be uh, creating these experiences and then uh also just by giving people these games uh, yeah when you, say, when you say giving people these games you've given the listeners to this podcast these games already just by talking about them you know yeah uh, in some ways you know you're giving away your book which is very very gracious of you um, <laughs> <laughs> um uh, yeah the idea that you're giving someone the game i mean you give them the game by telling them the rules and somehow that creates a little bubble in their head that means they now have that game. I mean, with a folk game, no one owns these things. Some some of them were created by somebody, but you know, the whole idea is they need to be shared. Something quite magical about that. I tell you the rules of a game and suddenly you have that game in your head. And it's it's like a folk song, isn't it? There's a standard or like a jazz, you know, there's a standard or oh, Bonnie Prince Charlie, but every time someone plays it, they play a different version of that thing. So no one owns it. It's just a kind of collaborative Wittgensteinian kind of um, collective game. And it, and it spreads as well in a very nice, nice organic way. You know, um, yeah, definitely. You, you often, you often, you have uh, the sort of forever DM, you know, person in the group or the person who's always hosting hosting these evenings. And um, the, the these games are things where just just playing it once will probably uh, let it spread out to that that person will take it home with them. Absolutely, yeah. There are very few. There's only one game. I mean, I've so I've put you know games like Mafia, which I think, or some people call it Werewolf. That's in that's in the floor of lava, and that's one where if you want to DM that game and you're good at it, you know you'll you'll be a forever DM. Sim- similar to any name on any tabletop game. If you're good enough at DMing, you'll never be let do anything else. But the majority of the games are kind of if someone is a judge or if someone is you know the master, that shifts after one round. So it's really nice that we can switch roles and it feels a lot more fluid than some of the games that we tend to play. So um, when when can we get them? So The Floor is Lava uh, is out in paperback and it has been for a year or so. And um, gosh, it's out in Germany this year as well. It's out in Spain and the USA. Um, Der Boden ist Lava is my, my new German. I don't know if I pronounced it right. Board game. Oh, sorry. I said it wrong. Board <laughs> games is out on the 25th, <laughs> 25th of June uh, 2020. That's this year. I, I gather. Um, and who knows what the shops will be doing at that point, but it will be available online. Um, and I'm very excited about about getting people's reactions to it. Great. And uh, where can we find you online? I am often found on Twitter, at Ivan Brett. Um, I have an Instagram, but I tend not to use it. And my website is uh, a great big trove of different things, including a day-by-day uh, journal of my six months across America and there's going to be some new stuff going up there as well in the next couple of um, months about my new children's book slash children's game book project uh, that's all ivanbrett.com lovely thank you very much thank you thanks for having me on Thanks for listening. Our theme music is by Body in the Thames, which you can find at bodyinthethames.bandcamp.com. You can find us on tabletopgaming.co.uk and follow us on Twitter at tabletopmag, on Facebook at tabletopgamingmagazine, 
on Instagram at tabletop underscore gaming underscore magazine and we've just launched a Twitch channel. You can find us there on twitch.tv forward slash tabletop gaming mag. If you like the show, recommend it to a friend, rate us in the iTunes store or subscribe to the magazine, which you can do on our website.